Welcome to Every Moment His. This is a podcast where we seek to bring every aspect, every moment of our lives under the gentle authority of Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. We're glad you're here when we pray this conversation is a blessing to you. So Pastor Tim, what is the first commandment? The first commandment is that we should have no other gods besides the real one. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. There you go. That's the catechism. Yep. Uh, thank you, Martin Luther. And yeah, we're talking about the first commandment. Um, by the way, just before we like continue, I just want to clear something up. A lot of times, <laughs> uh, Christians who come into the Lutheran community will be confused. They're like, how come your commandments are all messed up? Mm, yeah, like, yeah. because if you go to like a Baptist church or maybe mm. a Presbyterian church, yep. they're going to have the first commandment is you shall have no other gods. The second commandment is you shall not make a graven I- image and bow down and worship it. And then in ours, we combine those into the first yeah. commandment. And then we also break out the ninth and 10th commandment into you shall not covet Two your separate. neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, etc. So, um, there's actually multiple different ways that the commandments have been numbered in the yeah. history of the church. And even before that, uh, in the, in, um, in Judaism, they, uh, number the commandments starting with the first word. They say the 10 mm-hmm. words. The first word is, uh, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of Egypt, mm-hmm. out of the, the house of slavery. That's kind of cool. And then the second commandment is you shall have no other gods. Uh, in Lutheran and Roman Catholicism, uh, we combine the first and second. Yeah. And then. So don't have another God. Also don't make a carved image. We just make that into one. Yeah. And then the Reformed or Baptist churches will break that out into don't worship other gods and don't make an idol or a graven image. And that's why, by the way, if you go to like Baptist <laughs> churches or Reformed churches, it's yeah. like white walls that typically very. They don't no. have any images of God. No images. Yeah. yeah. Typically, maybe a cross, but that's about it. I think as, in, as Lutheran Christians, we would say that, um, that with the incarnation, yeah. you know, God came in the flesh, yeah. uh, that it's permissible to, to have, have depictions and images. Yeah. 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 So, but that's another, another day, another debate. But yeah. um, I just mentioned that because like, a lot of times I'll go to like church Sunday school rooms yeah. and, and even like Lutheran churches and they have the commandments up and they're like numbered according to the Reformed church. Yeah. And then we in the catechism are teaching it differently and yeah. people get all kinds of confused. So, well, and if you just read, you know, when they're given, you, you would co- immediately come across that decision, yeah. you know, like how do you number these? Um, and actually another little side note about the law is they're not called commands in the old Testament, they're called words. Yeah. The 10 words, the 10 things, right. The 10 words. And that has a little bit of a different flavor, but they're commanding top 10 things to know. Yeah. And if we're talking about imperatives or commands, if you Mm. read Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy five, where they are recorded, um, there's actually more than 10 imperatives. Okay. Like if you're reading the verbs that say you shall, you shall not, there's more than 10. So, there we go. There we go. All right. So it's so 
first all, commandment. All that, all yeah, I just stuff. like to get that out of the I way because people important. get confused or you get an email yeah. like, maybe how we'll, come you number your commandments <laughs> wrong? <laughs> maybe we'll drip these in, these kind of uh, facts into the rest of this podcast too uh, as we think about it. Yeah. But the so, first commandment. First commandment. And I think we'll look at this like we did last time. Yeah. Curb, mirror, guide. Curb being Good. that it tells us no. It yeah. like steps in and stops us or makes us do what we don't want to do. Yeah. Mirror being that it reveals the true condition of our heart and our need for a savior. And then the, the guide, meaning that it shows us the right way to live. Okay. So uh, the first commandment is brilliant. Yes. Um, in fact, Luther's explanation of it is particularly good, I, I would mm. say. Yeah. Um, because, he's, you know, you should have no other gods besides me, right, before right. me. And Luther says, what does that mean? We should fear, love, and trust God mm -hmm. above all things. And what does that mean? Unpack that a little bit. Yeah, so typically people, 21st century American people, don't like that word fear. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that you should, like, run away from God because we're called to trust him. And love him. Yeah, right, right. But it has this, it's this healthy dose of like reverence and awe at God's holiness that we could use more of, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. just like this is God. <laughs> yeah. This is your creator. He, he made you and he can unmake you. Right? Yeah. And if and you saw him in person, you would immediately know what it means to fear him. Yes. And anytime in the Bible we see like you know, an, an encounter with God and his holiness, people just, they think they're going to die. Like it's in, like, in particular, you know, when God came down to Sinai, mm, he came down to the mountain and, and it was on fire. And the people begged Moses. They said, <laughs> yeah. you go talk to God. Yeah. Cause and this is the beauty of Christ minds, just because yeah. in Christ, God comes to us in an accessible yeah. way. Merry um, Christmas. Yeah. So that's what it means to fear God. Uh, to love God means that we just value and cherish him above all things, that our hearts are set on him, um, that he's our number one. And then to trust, I think it will, Luther uses the word cling. Hmm. He says, whatever you, when, it, when you experience adversity and trouble in your life, whatever you cling to, that's your God. Hmm. That's, a, that's convicting. I we think. could talk about attachment, whatever you sure. attach yourself to and trust. Uh, and so if that's the case, Luther goes on to say that um, having another God doesn't mean that you're Hindu or mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're, you're carving up carving Baal up, in your backyard. Yeah. You're yeah. carving up Baal or Asherah yeah. in your backyard and, and making sacrifices. No, mm -hmm. it means it's a matter of the heart. Certainly it is that, but it's much more. If you can locate whatever you're fearing more than God, loving more than God and trusting more than God. And if you can find whatever you cling to in adversity, that is your God. And so that could be just about anything. Yeah. So yeah, if you, um, if you find yourself in adversity and you reach for your wallet first thing. Like money is going to solve this. Money is going to, yeah. I know how to solve this. It's all right at track. Or you're going to reach for a substance. Like right. I'm going yeah, I'm, I'm to dull this emotion with alcohol. Yeah. Or drugs or whatever. Yeah. yeah food. Yeah. Or if you're going to run to another person. Sure. Now there's a healthy attachment we have to parents or spouse. Yeah. But we're talking about like, you know, I think fear of fear of man. Yeah. Like you care about the opinion of another person more than God and his, his law. Yeah. Or the fear of pain. Mm. Yeah. Fear Rather, of suffering. You know, fe fear of suffering as opposed to, you know, the fear of God. 
that can change your mind. You'll flee from that mm-hmm. instead of clinging to God and trust yeah. and suffering yeah. well. So yeah, so this is a heart convicting, heart diagnosing, and we'll get to that second use of the law. But that's, you know, I think that's what's particularly useful about Luther is he says, everyone's got a God. Yeah, everybody You does. just look in your heart, whatever's driving your heart, mm-hmm. whatever's affecting your emotions, your affections, mm-hmm. That's your functional God. You might not think you have a God, but everyone does. The question is, yeah. is it the real God? Yeah, Luther talks in the language of faith, trust, clinging. Um, go back earlier to somebody who influenced Luther was St. Augustine. Augustine says that our loves are disordered. Mm. Our affections are disordered. And our issue as human beings is we don't rightly love what is the most love-worthy uh, we end up loving things that are lesser mm-hmm. or we get things out of, you know, priority. And so sure. God needs to be number one and then other affections, other loves are rightly ordered. Okay. Yeah. Luther also said, Hey, if you could do the first commandment, you wouldn't need the rest of them. Yeah. You, right. Because, because everything would be ordered. Why do people misuse God's name? Why do people break the Sabbath? Why do people despise authority? Why do people steal and cheat and yeah. slander. It's because they don't trust God. They yeah. love other things in place of him. He also said that, you know, when you break the first commandment, you break all the others. Yeah. So it's okay. like a domino. So okay. let's talk about, this is interesting. What is the curbing aspect? How might you experience the curbing aspect of God's law in your life? If you're not worshiping him first as your God? Well, yeah. So we, um, we talked a little bit about like sin has its own consequence. Yeah. Like if you promote something in your life to, to the status of God and you worship it, eventually it'll, it'll let you down. So Mm -hmm. actually there's a, there's this book called infinite jest Mm -hmm. and one of the characters in it, it's kind of a satire on humanity. It's a real long book, but, uh, one of the characters is like obsessed with tennis Mm -hmm. just tennis is everything. That's like, he cuts people out of his life for tennis. He, he almost loses all his money for tennis, all this stuff. And the, the author depicts him at the end. He, his, his tennis career fails Mm -hmm. and he's trying so hard to fix his career and get a little bit better just to come back in his career. And he ends up uh, sobbing on his knees in front of his racket. Mm. And it's a really, really poignant uh, picture of this very thing is that if you make tennis your God, eventually it will let you down. It will, you will despise yourself. It will, it will lead you to ruin. And that's a fairly tame example, actually, of things that we can promote as God. Yeah. Um, But there's serious. The author of that book is quoted as saying too, that, you know, like everybody worships something and he's an atheist, I think, by the way, well, um, yeah, so, you know, it, it is really painful to see this play out. And we've all experienced it, but we see it in people's lives too. And it, it's hard to watch is that somebody will put all their chips on something. Yeah. They'll, they're going to go after like, this is going to be my, my, my God. This is going to be my life. This is my salvation. Whether it be a substance or a person or a career or an achievement and, or a, or a status of life, you know, like a standard of living. And then when that thing eventually breaks because it can't bear the weight of your worship, um, 
it, it gets ugly. I yeah. mean, people get potentially suicidal, depressed, yeah. Yeah. Um, or they just move on to something else. Yeah. You know, um, and, and people will bear the cost in their bodies, in their relationships, in their yeah. reputations, because they're going after that thing that they think is going to give them life and salvation. Um, N.T. Wright, who's an author that we're both fond of, um, once said that, uh, that you become like what you worship. And I think that that's a fallout of, mm. you know, you become like the thing that you're obsessing over and worshiping. Yeah. yeah. So that's the curbing. Like it, if you follow the wrong God, you will run into turbulence and pain. And that God that you thought was going to be your help is, mm -hmm. turns out to be not worthy of your worship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so to move into the, the second use of the law, um, this is where like you actually realize that you're a sinner if you don't think you are. Mm -hmm. Because if you really look deep within, you're going to see that like, I don't trust God with everything. Mm. I don't love God with everything. And I don't fear God above everything. And so yeah. sin becomes primarily a matter of the heart. Yeah. As a, there's a good question here. You know, it's like, uh, if, if there's something in this life that you just say, I can't live without it. Or if God took this away from me, I would no longer follow him or believe in mm -hmm. him. You know, and I think for many, many people, it's, it's their families. I think so too. Yeah. You know, that if, if God, you know, takes away my son or my daughter from me, I would no longer believe in him. And this is where idols can be really, really tricky. Well, cause they can be like our, the, the good things that God yeah. gives. And in Christians, we teach that God didn't create anything evil. Like evil is corrupted goodness. It's when we use good things in the wrong way, the wrong amount, or um, at the wrong time. Yeah. And so, um, it, idols are good things. Yeah. That that become ultimate things. Right. And they get out of place. Yeah. And so they're so, they're wonderful. Yeah. Typically, you know, especially like think about family and children. Wonderful. Oh yeah. Wonder, I mean, there's almost no better gift from God. Right? Or reputation is, yeah. would be one like, because yeah. reputation is a good gift from God. Yeah. To have a good reputation, as we'll talk about in the eighth commandment, mm -hmm. is a blessing. Mm -hmm. But when you're obsessive about your reputation yeah. and you're really insecure, that's... Or, or you're not willing to uh, remain with Christ for the sake of your reputation. Yeah. Yep. Uh, be f in front of your peers, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so this is... Um, you know, some of the consequences that we can, we can ask ourselves, is there anything in my heart that love, that I love more than God, that I would not be willing to exchange for a good relationship with God? Mm -hmm. Is there anything in my heart that I uh, fear uh, more than God, more than my relation, you know, his, his wrath? Is there anything in my life and in my heart that I trust more than I trust the, the promise of my, my God? Yeah, and when you understand this, then then you will confess that your whole entire life is yeah. sinful inside and out. Right, you know, even like, talking about it right now, I'm like, like, I can think about eight idols. I think I need to go yeah. to confession. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So, so let's move in now. Well, I'll, I'll, obviously, let's just remember that this is then the goal of this is to drive us to Christ, right. where we um, receive forgiveness, life, and salvation by grace alone through faith. And what's really neat is that 
when God saves us by grace alone and through faith and not by our works, by the work of Christ, what's happening is he's actually causing us mm. to love him and trust him above all things. Mm. Because what does it mean to trust Christ? It means to have faith, mm. right? Mm. What, and, and how do we respond? We, we love, I mean, when we're loved in, in this way, completely by grace, it wins our hearts over and we actually right. start to love God. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you've ever had bad relationships with like kind of like manipulative people or abusive people, mm-hmm. and then you find someone you, you ultimately marry that, that change is typically, um, or hopefully, right. It's, I love this person because of the way they treat me, right? Because they have Mm -hmm. won my heart, because they have dedicated their life to me, because they come through. They're not trying to manipulate me. Yeah. Uh, And it's, it's like that with God, you know, when, when our, we see just how much he cares for us, just how much he's willing to pay Mm -hmm. to, to win our, our love and our affection. um, It's not hard to love him back. Well, this is where we, this is a good segue to the third use of the law, the guide Mm -hmm. for the Christian life, because when we don't keep God's commandments, what we're saying is I don't really trust that God's will is good. I don't really trust that God's going to come through for me. I don't really trust that um, he's wise, Mm -hmm. but when God wins over our affections through what he's done for us in Christ and we're secure and we know we're loved and forgiven, our hearts begin to say, well, let me put it this way. A lot of times we have a fight or flight freeze Mm. response to the law. Like, you know, when you, the different parts of your brain, you've got like the, the just react fight for survival part of your brain. A lot of times we'll hear God's law and we're like, I got to run away. Yeah. Or I got to argue with God and argue with my conscience and, or I'm going to just freeze. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to do. And, but when God gets our hearts in the gospel, then we're able to rise above that. And we start to never perfectly because man, that old Adam, but we start to be able to say, Oh, wait a second. This God actually wants to do good to me. Yeah. And he's given me good commandments that are for my flourishing and the flourishing of those around me. So I think I actually want to keep this commandment. It's kind of like when you, okay, we just had Christmas. Yep man, there's so many sweets, <laughs> so much junk food, mm-hmm. you know, you're eating like chocolate for breakfast Yeah, you know, yeah. and you're kind of like, why not? Uh-huh. <laughs> you get to a point where you're like, this is all gross. <laughs> Can I please just have a salad? <laughs> I think I just want a salad. Yeah. I think I want some fresh fruit. You actually desire it. I desire the good things that are healthy. And it's like that we're like, we are, God trains our hearts by grace to be able to say, I actually don't want to sin anymore because yeah. it makes me feel miserable and it's dumb. It's like, yeah. why it's, it's pointless. I right. want to keep the law because it makes sense and it's good. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the analogy, it's almost not an analogy, but it's almost a direct it's the same thing. It's like when we think about our, our parents in this world, if we have loving parents teach us well and we have, we're securely attached to them. We love them and we respect them. You know, when the, when the temptation is like a young person to like come and like get drunk at mm-hmm. this party because all your friends are doing it, whatever. Well, the affection to our parents, if we actually have that good relationship with them, 
we're going to say, you know, I, I don't even really want to do that because I value my relationship with my parents so much mm-hmm. and I just trust them. Yeah. So it's not like a big deal for me to say no thanks. Um, yeah. It's I mean, not who I am. Yeah. So, and it's the same thing, you know, with our, our own lives in this world. When we are more and more secure in Christ, more and more secure with our God, that third use really does just pull us along. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know, I just have better options and yeah. I desire, um, I just trust my God. I desire to please him. Yeah. And I'm that no, looks like certain things. I'm no longer a slave. I'm a son. I'm exactly. a daughter yeah. because slaves are driven. Right. You know, we're driven by our passions. We're driven by our desires. Yeah. But when you're a son, you're like, actually, like, see the bigger picture of yeah. what God's doing to remake and restore all of creation. Do you ever think, um, this is a bit of a thought experiment, but just imagine the terrible thought that like God was actually like a, uh, like one of the Old Testament gods of war. Like Baal or, yeah. yeah. Like you, like you had no choice. Like the real God was actually a terrible person. Right? Yeah. And you had to obey, right? You had, you were just coerced all the time and you just had, you could have a choice. That's the real God. Um, isn't it great that God's not like that? Yeah. I, I've been reading, uh, I read, um, what did I read? Oh, the Odyssey, Homer's oh, yeah, Odyssey. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm reading the Iliad right now. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, you just hear about like yeah, Zeus gets sacrificed and kills people. everybody. Yeah, right. And like, it's just very fickle and there's no covenant. There's no promise. Right. And it's all very much fate. And, yep. and yeah, we have a God who has good commandments and who is yeah. fair and who's just and who deals with us according to grace and mercy. He doesn't give us what our sins deserve. And all of that should make us look at the commandment and say, thanks God. Yeah. You, you've got a good, good commandment here. You've got a good point there. Yeah. Um, do that kind of in closing here as we talk about um, the third use of the law and keeping this commandment, mm-hmm. it can be maybe a little bit abstract of how do I keep this commandment? Yeah. Cause it's a heart issue. Well, certainly going to worship is one mm, way yeah. to not have other gods. Um, but I think prayer in particular is a mm. practical application mm. of the first commandment because prayer is, is faith expressed. Mm. It's trust shown. Yeah. That when you pray, you're, you're saying to God, I believe that you listen to me and that you care and that you can actually do something. And, and I'm going to bring you my burdens. I'm so, you know, if somebody experiences great adversity, if they, they could go to the bottle, they could go Mm -hmm. to the experience, they could go to any number of things in place of God, or they could go to God in prayer and cling right, to him in right. prayer, which is, I think, keeping the first commandment. Yeah. I think for me, I really found that, um, like giving tithes to the church mm-hmm. because I, I grew up not in a very wealthy family. Mm-hmm. We struggled and, but I really wanted to be wealthy. Yeah. And so I was, I was the kid who was like always saving money and like working and trying to get, you know, the nice things. And, um, yeah. So it, it like, I realized that my wife and I realized that together when we mm. were newly married and we just decided we're just going to do this as part of life, which yeah. is just, that's just, it's not a question. It's just going to happen. And there was such a freedom in that mm-hmm. just saying, this is not my God. I have a God. It's way better than this stuff that I hold in my hand. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to, as that offering to God is just a recognition that he's, he's going to care for me. Yeah, it's a very yeah. practical way to 
to show that I'm not going to allow money to be my God yeah. or possessions. And so this is a sacrificial offering by which I say to God, this is yours and yeah. thank you. Yeah, good. All right, so that's the first commandment. And we'll, we'll follow it up next week with the second commandment. And we're going to go to two then. Go to we're number two. Order. <laughs> go in order. All right, second commandment it is. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it was useful for you. If you found this particularly useful, you can share this episode with friends or family. You can also subscribe to our podcast and whatever platform you're using or give us a review that really helps other people find our podcast. This is also a teaching ministry of Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska. And so if you do not have a church, we would love to welcome you into our community to build you up and to share the joy of salvation with you and the rest of the members here at Holy Cross.